Great. Ta-da! <laughs> I just got it done this morning. Yeah. I bet it's red, huh? I need a little feedback. Is that our Christmas card? Yes. Yeah. Hello. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Mediocre Movie Majors. We got a We've big got week. Movies to chat about. Oh, you're doing like an ordinary sausage voice? That's Led fine. Led sausage. A little shout out to our favorite. Oh, I got to show you the new one today. Was it a good one? Uh, it was coffee. Coffee beans. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Mediocre Movie Majors. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the movie. <laughs> Talked a little bit too fast there. Okay. That's how all YouTubers have to start their videos. Yeah. Haven't you noticed that? Top of the morning to you, laddies. No. I'm Jacksepticeye. Oh, is he British? Irish. Well, today we got a lot to talk about, so we're just going to dive right in. We've got movies to talk about. We've we got, got a lot of good ones this week, too. Yeah. This is kind of a stacked week. It is, it is, but it didn't start out that way. What was the first one? Would you like to just dive right in? Yeah, because there's some real highs on this list and some real lows. And first, we have a really low high. Uh, thank you. I felt good about that transition. This is called bong water. If you've never heard of it, don't worry. You're you're in luck. Yeah. No one else has either. This is a 2.7 average on Letterboxd. But more importantly, if you look there in the poster at the bottom, who's that? Luke Wilson. Young Jack Black. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you've never seen this movie... You, Be thankful. Let you, me just give you, let me read yeah. you the first sentence on um, Letterboxd. David is an artist and a pothead. What else do you need to know about him? That's, um, the, that's the plot of the movie. So we picked this movie because, as you know, we, we love Jack Black here on the podcast. We uh, do love Jack Black here. We love Jack Black here on the podcast, and we also are Luke, huge fans of Luke, Luke Wilson. Wilson and... This just like seemed like a fun f- film to check out. It looked a little bit raunchy, a little bit comedy. Um, what ended up happening was probably one of the most boring 97 minutes of my life. Yeah, this is a really slow movie. Uh, it's it's You'd think a, a slice of life stoner film, like, okay, that could be a fun yeah. sort of... No, no, this is a very, very much like post-grunge late 90s everything is gonna go into this flat static suburbia hell depressed movie like you wouldn't (laughs) guess it based on the title bong water and the bright colorful poster but the film is very much about drug addicts and love and and yeah and this movie um really decides to tell a very slow burn super slow burn story that's not really interesting there's, at all to me there's some okay moments that like highlight I like think... notably when jack black is there for his one scene you oh yeah heard me right he's in there for one scene we he's on the poster with one scene would not have watched this if we knew jack black was only in one scene i don't know if you feel the same way uh, yeah no i definitely wouldn't have put it on my list if i knew who's barely yeah. I put it on this because I like it was one of his earliest films. And I was like, okay, bong water? Sure, that's funny. Yeah. That's funny. But um, um it is honestly impressive. He's barely oh, in it. Sorry. Oh, no, I was just going to say that one scene where he actually is there and he sings and I think they do like mushrooms or something. It's like fun Jack Black. Yeah. But is the like 60 minutes it takes to get there fun? No. No, it's, it's actually kind of akin to like a worse version of train spotting less exciting like if you like a boring slower version if they they just smoking weed and 
talking. Yeah, like if, if they didn't use heroin and instead just smoked weed and talked. I'm coming from somebody who, like, I would consider myself a fan of slice of life movies. This was almost, this was too much for me even. So, you know, do with that information what you will. I but did... it's really, I, I you would have a better time just having a conversation with an actual person. I kind of liked that the plot was very much nothing. I actually appreciated the mm -hmm. the ultra low budget, just gang hanging out west in their lives. I I thought that was kind of like maybe bad something going there. But the rest of it, why did they have to put aliens in this goddamn movie? There's aliens in this movie? You fell asleep or something by that point. But yeah, in in case you're wondering, how does this movie... And what is this movie Wait, saying? There's no way there's what is the plot of this movie? Oh, there is aliens in this movie because she's all like, she's all like, the pl- we- one of the first <laughs> scenes in the movie, she's like, oh, did you make this? And he's like, yeah, it's just the painting I made. And it's like vaguely referencing an abdu- alien abduction. And she's like, oh, I had one of those too. And then it doesn't come up for the next 95 minutes. And in the last shot of the movie, they're like, oh my God, the aliens are here. And there's a UFO. Um, I completely blocked that out of my memory until you said that. If you're wondering how forgettable this movie is. That the aliens the alien are forgettable. Stick with me. Um, it's insane, this movie. It's, I don't know. It's <laughs> a really bold choice for like a quote unquote stoner comedy to have 80% of the shots just be talking heads. Yeah, and like I said, I think there's a lot you can do with uh, with a slice of life film, with a low budget comedy film, especially around these characters. But um, I don't know. Something it's like about also, it is wasn't it supposed to, is it supposed to be a comedy? I'm saying stoner comedy. Yeah. Like you you'd think based on the title Bong Water and like the poster and the presumably the trailer. I didn't watch the trailer, but it'll be in the background of this video. Yeah, this film is actually, like, very serious. A fixed scene in this movie of a woman literally getting assaulted. Um, and it, it, It's shocking. It, 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 yeah, it truly, like... It kills any it, fun that Jack Black singing on Mushrooms yeah, could have really Um, It took me out of the film, with. and it didn't give a good taste to me. I it's just a very serious drama, kind of, but yeah. also not. I don't know. It's weird. It's, like, tonally conflicted... But I almost, like, wished it just chose a lane. I think one of the craziest things about this movie to me, too, is how they got this cast together. This is before they were um, all famous. We talked about Luke Wilson and Jack Black being in it, but it also has Brittany Murphy, uh, Jamie Kennedy, and a bunch of other people that have probably been in other like things. Alicia Will. Yeah. Um. So there's there's people in this movie which makes it all the more crazy that this movie kind of has just kind of flown under the water and nobody really the water flown under under the bong water (gasps) i i think yeah it's just a very slow boring movie and it's not really well written it doesn't really say anything about anything it's not fun it's kind of sad so I gave it two and a half because there are moments where it has good bits. Like I like some of the shots and I like some of the elements of like burnouts, you know, like, yeah. I, like, like it could have, it could have had something, but it's not. So 2.5, it's not, really it's not think, bad um, enough to be good and it's not yeah, good enough to it, be good. It is interesting to see how this might've been like inspiration for other future stoner comedies. Yeah, keep, keep in mind, this came yeah. out in 1998. Next up, we I feel have, like we were uh, agreeing a lot this week. 
Yeah. We don't always agree on stuff, but this week I felt like it was this week was a pretty, pretty agreeable week for us. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really have too many hot takes. Yeah. So for those of you looking to start arguments in the comments, you're going to have to find a different episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we watched... Next up is The Room. No. Oh. It's Room. Room. Which, Sorry. by the way, we need to talk about... I know that this movie... I'm putting The Room on my list to go um, right now. I know that this movie is based off of a book that I'm pretty sure was just called Room, but... Making a movie just called Room is absolutely insane. Like, as a, a filmmaker, um, I'm sure maybe we should give some context to those of you guys who aren't aware of the film The Room, but it's basically a film that's <laughs> widely known as being the worst film ever made. Yeah, it's you like... You can do a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. So, The Room was one of those, like, comically bad films that has gotten, like, a cult-like following because it's so bad that it's good. Um... They even made a movie called The Disaster Artist about how they made the And that film. has James Franco and Seth Rogen and in it. Like, Dave that's a popular... Franco. And Dave Franco. It's got both the Francos. Yeah. It's a very popular film. So that, like... If, you, if you're watching this podcast, there's a fair chance you've heard, of the, room, heard of the Room. You've probably heard of The Room or Tommy um, Or Wiseau. you've heard us reference it at least yeah. once. Uh, so, I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah, that's good. That was a Thank good you. One. So this is, this is a much less funny movie. A film movie. called Just Room. No the, just no the, room. Just Room. So this movie takes that title, Room, makes it very literal. It's about, right. or actually, it's, it's the point of view of the kid. Sorry, yeah. So can I just say something? Yeah. Um. Again, like this is based off of a book that I'm pretty sure is just called Room, but I, I, I don't know. The title, like, I don't think it translates well to to the movie. I don't know. Maybe it's just because we're like uh cinema majors movie majors if you will this came out much after um, the room is why yeah we're saying this. the room uh, was a 2000s <laughs> flop era yeah and it became a cult classic by 2007 so to release something in 2015 called room like hello yeah. um but the reason that it's called room is this film is about the story of a girl and her son um and they lived his and they lived this whole the young boys lived his whole life in this one in, room a room. Uh, the woman has been kidnapped and forced to live in the room and raise her child in this room. And the kid basically does not know anything outside of this one room. That's his entire world that he's lived in um, up until he's five years old. I don't know how much we wanna. I, I think it's. I think it's pretty safe. I want to spoil the hell out of this movie because there's so much okay. to talk about. Let's do it. But also, like, Let's I think we should give the big spoiler warning now. Yeah, okay. So we're if just you, gonna give. If, if you guys haven't seen Room, go check it out. It's Brie Larson, otherwise known as Captain Marvel, for all you men out there. And Jacob um, Tremblay, who is a sleigh king. He's like the child actor. He looks older now because he's like a teenager, but like he's in. Oh, he's in the Smurfs too, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. He's really good in it. It's go go check it out. It's a pretty good movie. Now, I will say the plot is exactly what you think it is. If you've ever heard of that true criminal case, it is based on that. Okay. I want to talk about the, yeah. the the pace of this movie. So, spoiler alert, they get out of the room. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, it turns out they get out. Um and and I think the way they get out is actually a very yeah. cool, unique type of thing. And I think um But that moment when they get out of the room should have been the end of the movie. Maybe give an extra 10, 15, 20 minutes for closing act. Or like, 
a little bit of that, like, oh, okay, and the bad guy's taking a justice, and they live the rest of their lives trying to get back to normal, whatever. But, no! There's, like, 90 minutes left by that point. Yeah, so... um... Why is it called Room when half of the movie is about them having to adapt to normal society or what they perceive what they're used to was society from from being in a hostage situation like why is it called the room <laughs> i guess i didn't want to spoil that they, they yeah. get out but like it's um kind of an interesting thing because the so the movie the book i'm pretty sure is from the child's perspective the little boy's perspective and so the movie kind of takes on that um and so when you open and for the first like hour or so of the film it's really just inside this room and it's like how they are able to adapt to living in the room and it's a small room yeah it's it's a shed um yeah it's literally a shed but um they call it room i guess i don't know and it's if it's it's locked with like an electronic passcode yeah in case you were wondering how come they don't just break out yeah and why don't they kill their captor because he's the only one that knows the passcode which i'm like girl just turn around and look at him typing it in or just like try the combinations there can't be that many that (laughs) no that's actually literally so true what does it do if you put in the wrong code i mean maybe he like maybe gets like gives him alarm but like but if you type in the right code yeah like i would be trying that shit there's Uh, there's a little bit of that like plot is kind of okay but they, they try like they do kind of like try to justify it like they explain how she like tried to get out i think the strongest and... yeah the strongest thing that they have going for them in that is the fact that they're trying to frame it from the child's perspective so they can just sort of like skew things because the child doesn't really know yeah. so um, like you don't have to give him all the information and we as an audience are left to assume which is actually kind of yeah. true it's actually kind that's kind of good and but the first like half of the movie pretty good is really good i think they work really well with the physical limitations the the shots are all well it's like cinematography stays fresh even though it's only in one location um and and it kind of you know obviously you go into this kind of film you're assuming they're gonna make it out of the room in the end but i was hoping they wouldn't okay uh, by the time (laughs) that they like make it out of the room you're about what halfway through the movie Almost, maybe and a little you bit might more be than like, that. Yeah. Well, what else happens? Well, the way he gets out is he like pretends to be dead, and then he flees from the truck, and then and like I, I think that... the cops come and they get the kid. That's all great. That's yeah. all fantastic stuff. Um, and then the cops find the mom and they bust the mom out, and that's all great, yeah. all needed. And then afterwards, the mom goes home to her family. Turns out, while she's been kidnapped for the past like seven years. Yeah, seven uh, years. Her her parents got divorced, and um, she sort of has like this harsh return to reality because she kind of goes from living in this bubble of the room to, you know, and having in her head the idea of like, I'm gonna go back to the life that I had before, yeah. and then when she comes out, it's not. And yeah. I think that is really interesting, but make it tackling not only tackling like the whole them being in the room and getting out but then on top of it trying to tackle her relationship with the outside world it feels like you can't do both fully from from the child's perspective who again doesn't even know what the outside world is yeah and then that's not even all there's still more plot with like the um the media yeah the whole like it gets into like the, the the legal trial media frenzy of it all because it's like, of course, like a seven-year kidnapping 
would be huge on the news. There's yeah. a lot of extra plot that doesn't need to be in the film. All of it is really interesting and like it's it's. I, I would have made a really strong sequel, actually, I think. Or, like, a separate, but, like, connected Maybe a separate story. movie, but honestly, like, not, like, Room 2, but, like, just making, yeah, like, a, a sequel with the same characters. Like, a, a new yeah. movie with those characters after that No, because it, it kind of felt like that part... It, it, it just it felt like two different movies. It simultaneously dragged on, and it also felt rough. And it's just, it's so, like, hard to care about any of these legal dramas and, um, and whatever. The, like, do I really care about her mom's relationship with her new guy named yeah. Ted or whatever? It's, like, they were literally just kidnapped for his whole life. This child has never seen the fucking sun. It's really interesting because they choose to focus on, like, this girl who's been kidnapped, like, trying to repair her relationship with her mom and like they'll get into these fights and stuff and again well that's like interesting and it's like cool to see how she's adapting i would have been way more interested to just see like the kid who's been kidnapped like His go to the grocery school. store or like i would have loved to see him in kindergarten go outside like this like they, they barely show him socializing with other yeah, children and, and which I, is criminal and, right and, and, and it, so i didn't i just didn't like like I don't know. I would have rather it just be like a happy ending with them getting out rather than like seeing her then like have to go through like another struggle of just like adapting just to daily life. It would have made the movie called Room that much stronger yeah. had it all taken place Even just mostly like if like the last half one... hour was outside of it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. If it was like tops 40 minutes extra ending, but nope. It's a full-on extra hour this, plus. Yeah. I think that when we were watching this movie, I don't know why, but I start, I really started to realize how much it, like, drags on once it gets it's outside of so the It's so much slower. And it's, like, half the movie is the premise of the movie. Also, if you're, like, somebody who gets annoyed with children screaming, I would maybe set this one out because he does scream a lot. But it does it's not, like... It but I would sense. say the writing is fairly good and the, all the stuff is pretty good. So for that, three and a half. I gave it four bags pretty similar vibe i i think there's there's a bit it could be improved upon but like there's no denying that it's like a well-made well-acted movie you know Mm -hmm. next up is again undeniably a well-acted well-made fantastic popcorn classic no country for old men directed by the coen brothers now you might know the coen brothers from the big lebowski or um, Fargo, or Burn After Reading, or Raising Arizona, but they're good. They generally make good movies. Yeah. I'd never seen this one before. I feel like this is one of those classics I have yet to uh, this was my, experience. This was my first Coen Brothers film. Interesting. Yeah. And, oh man, it's man, so good. Oh man, is this a good movie? Do you want to explain it? So the premise is someone's just out hunting and they kind of stumble onto like what appears to be the the remnants of a shootout and everyone's dead and there's just a big bag of money or a big uh, big suitcase of money and uh, he takes the money and this other guy is uh, killing everyone. Javier Bardem. <laughs> the guy with the bowl cut. Uh, it's... It's just haircut. so iconic. And also Tommy Lee Jones is there, but he doesn't really do much. Much He's kind of just there. Mm. But it's really, really good. I don't really want to spoil anything. It's kind of this is best one of those to go in that, blind. Yeah. If you haven't seen, go see it. If you're watching this podcast, you probably have. Yeah. 
Um, but if, if you haven't, you need to. This is like actually genuinely good cinema. Uh, it's paced really well. Same yeah. runtime as Room. That's <laughs> crazy. But it says so much more. Mm. It has many more plots. Mm. Many more characters. Many more characters. I'll give you that. Many more plots. You won't give me that. Maybe. Yeah, I guess. The main, the main plot of Room. And is like, just I think room. I think it says a lot about like how um, greed and sort of getting away mm. with any sort of ill-earned gain. And, and it's like that classic cowboy, like, doing bad won't get you good, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, what I like about this movie is, for some reason, I never watched it because I always thought it was going to be, like, kind of slow. And it's, it's just, so like, not. <laughs> it's so like, that it's, was a nice surprise. It takes itself seriously, and it might seem slow, but it's paced phenomenally. It, yeah, it just is well-paced. Like, it's, it doesn't feel... It doesn't drag at any point. Yeah. And also, I love how it's, like, set in the 70s, but it was made in 2007. It does that genre, the the um the era, yeah. super perfectly. Um, and it even has, like, that creepy killer that seems to always have been in those 70s, like... You know, like the Zodiac Killer or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> like, come on. It's really good. How much have you ever lost on a coin toss? Wait, do, it, do it closer. What's the most you ever lost in a coin toss? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Yeah. It's so good. Five bags and like 20 sodas. I give it sodas. four and a half bags because... There was one woman in it. Um... Yeah, I, <laughs> I, Sorry. Just like, I just like morally can't rate like a dude movie less than... I know. Or more this than this more. movie says not... Like, I mean, it says a little bit about gender role, I guess, but... A little tiny bit. It's it's really not focused about it, the it, conversation of gender yeah. at all. It's I just mean, trying to be like cowboys. Not every movie has to do it, but it is, it is always like... Apparently, every movie has to do it if it wants to get five um, bags by your skill. No, I, not every movie has to do it, but I, I always do find it a little bit jarring to watch like a, a movie where there's the literally s- one woman speaking. But it's the seventies too. Well, like well, it's set in the seventies. You know what I mean? Like it's, women didn't exist. Yeah, there was like some women characters, background characters, like the 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 motel the lady. Oh, she didn't die. Remember, she told him off actually. Remember? Yeah. I no, can't. I'm... I can't get out that information, sir. Yeah, no, I'm remembering. And then he just, like, leaves. He's like, okay. (laughs) That's the boundary he respects. Business bureau ethics. Yeah. And giving out customer information. That's the one line he won't cross. Yeah. There's a handful of extra women characters. Like, there's a woman cop, I believe, right? Yeah. Like, briefly. There's, like, the the girlfriend, the 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 girlfriend's girlfriend's mom. Do we even see her mom, though? Yeah, I remember. Yes. (laughs) This is a very male-dominated film. I understand. Yeah. But it's called... No, no country, country for, for old, old men. men. So you gotta know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, give it another 20 years when the remake comes out. No country for old women. <laughs> I thought. See, I thought you were gonna say no country for young men. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just why I was laughing. No country for young women. Yeah. <laughs> All country for old men. But it's just such a good movie. Uh, I mean, okay, we've we've probably we've, gushed about this enough. Um, yeah, this is one of those ones, if you haven't seen it, we'll go say, watch it. I will it. say, yeah. my own personal, like, Five Bagger, obviously. I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite Coen Brothers films. Like, I really like The Big Lebowski. I really like Fargo. I really like Burn After Reading. But this is up oh, there. Oh, yeah. This is up there oh, in the yeah. top four. That's for my sure. Fargo impression. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. It's up there. That's definitely. just like your opinion, man. 
<laughs> That's good. Oh, God. I love the Big Lebowski. I'm putting that back on my list. You're putting it back on your list. I'm dead. Um, <laughs> you have yeah. to pick it right away. No, right away. It's okay. I think I put Rocketman back on my list. Speaking of male-dominated films, <laughs> we got uh, 2002's Steven Shanberg's Creme de la Cray Secretary. We picked, well, I put this movie on my list because I was going through Maggie Gyllenhaal's um, letterbox just to see, like, what she's been up to. And this kind of looked like it could be an interesting watch. Now, I take it you didn't read the letterbox description because let me read that real quick for our audience. A young woman, recently released from a mental hospital, gets a job as a secretary to a demanding lawyer where their employer-employee relationship turns into a sexual sadomasochistic one. Okay, but do you see how it cuts off? I literally just read the first line where... Where their employer-employee relationship turns into a... And then I just stopped reading. And then you missed sexual sadomasochistic one. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out this is just Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie. We just watched what I'm assuming is the movie that they ripped off to make Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, like, because they must have wrote the books after this. To prove my point, the man in, in question, the secretary, his name, Edward Grey. His name is literally Mr. Gray. Case closed. Like, this is Fifty Shades of Gray, except, like, what do we think? Better or worse than Fifty Shades of Gray? I, I thought it was better it because it's James Spader as Mr. Gray. And if you don't know who James Spader <laughs> is based on that name... I'm the f- lizard gang. Yeah, he's... He's, <laughs> he's Robert California. He's Robert California from The Office, or he's Ultron from Avengers Age of Ultron. I simultaneously love and have a deep fear I want to see him, him and Christopher Walken in a No, I... I just actually that like gave me a horrible like physical reaction when you I said wanna, that. I want to see a comedy where they're both in it. Because here's the thing, maybe it's the officeification of him, but he is objectively scary to he me. He plays and the exact same character in this film. It's just whatever Robert California was doing before he got on the office. Okay? Whatever, whatever Jim Spader is, this is him <laughs> at his most. Um, yes. He's just. There's there's a lot we could get into with this movie, but at the end of the day, I think for the for the benefit of the audience, we won't get into yeah. too many specifics. At the end of the day, if you've seen Fifty Shades of Grey, if you've heard of Fifty Shades of Grey, <laughs> you've this seen is, this movie. This is this is a more accurate depiction of your expectations of Fifty Shades of Grey than Fifty Shades of Grey is. That's actually so true. You're and probably thinking that ending. Yeah, honestly, this is a better movie than <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. But, but like, if it you've, was also kind of slow in the middle oh my god it's so slow in the beginning to i fell asleep so many times during this i won't lie <laughs> i was like barely awake it's a whole scene in the beginning where her <laughs> sister gets married yeah it's interesting it's an interesting watch i definitely don't know like who like what kind of person i would recommend to watch this if you have a crush on your boss maybe check this out if you have a crush on james spader maybe check this out if you have a crush on um Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal? Gyllenhaal, maybe? Yeah. Oh, my God. Also, there was such a weird flash forward to open this film with. Because, like, it opens yeah. with her, like, just abruptly halfway through. And then it cuts back to the start of the film. And then you watch and you get up to that point. And you're like, oh, okay. But then it doesn't, like... It's not like that moment was pivotal yeah. at any point. Like, it was just they wanted to show her scantily clad early in the film. Yeah, that was interesting, and I definitely did not need that. <laughs> but uh, it was it was fine. It was well made. It was interesting. It was all of the things. 
Moving. Two and a half bags. I gave it three bags, but honestly, I might move my review down to two and a half, not just because... Three like, three to me is slightly better than average, because two yeah. and a half is half of five. I'm That's gonna, how I... I'm moving it down to two. You're doing it to two. Wow. The first ever big move live on the podcast. Yeah. That is impressive. Thank um, you. Next up is probably the best film of this week. Oh, you're putting this above No Country for Old Men. No, I put them on the same tier. Oh, okay. This I just think this one's a little bit more timely and relevant okay. to the world we live we in. We watched Training Day. I don't know why I said it like that. Should I do it again? <laughs> we watched Training Day. Yeah. Starring my love, Ethan Denzel Hawk. Washington. I forgot. When you go on Ethan Hawke's letterbox, the first thing that comes up is um, Glass Onion. Yeah. Which is so funny because like, he's barely in that. In Glass Onion. You know what I'm talking about when he's in Glass Onion? Yeah, he's barely... It's a great cameo. It's a great cameo, but it's like... Is that what <laughs> I think of when I think of Ethan Hawke? No. No, it's not. No, it's, no. What, is, what, what is the movie you think of when you think of Ethan Hawke? Oh, this. Training Day, actually. Training Day. Training Day. This is my Ethan Hawke movie. Uh, Let me tell you... Dead Poet Society for anyone wondering that's why I am the way that I am. But this one is just so good. I initially first watched this about a year ago when I was coming back from Italy on a plane. Little brag, humble brag there. Uh, <laughs> but... Even on a plane, I knew this film was bomb. So I was excited to watch this on a projector with an actual setup. And uh, God, it's just so good. From like the way it handles like the story being self-contained over one day. The training day. The titular training day. It's almost like if the room or room took place in a room. uh, (laughs) Training day takes place on a training day. And so it's his first day at work. It starts with him waking up and it ends with him going out home to tell his wife about his day. So good. Um, I don't, I don't really want to spoil this movie because there's a fair chance you haven't seen this because it's like, this one flew under the, my personal radar. It's 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 kind of one of those like you're gonna think okay yeah it's like cop buddy cop drama type shit like seven. No, no, no no no. Trust me, this is really good. Um, I think I just want to say this is a great film. Uh, the plot is really really well written, and um, yeah, it's just a gritty, realistic. Yeah, I think both Ethan. And Denzel were on first name basis, I guess. They both really like commit to their roles, and I feel like the way that their characters are written, um, the way that they interact with each other, and then the way that both of them act the part really brings the film to life. Like yeah. the like, Denzel is just great in this, but Ethan Denzel, I mean, I, Denzel Washington in my top ten favorite actors. I feel like I'm unfortunately like not up to date on my Denzel movies. Um, and this movie definitely made me want to go back and fix that because I, he was great in this. He, that, that's I mean, exactly, we all know Denzel Washington is, is a great actor, but like, I just need to, that, to that, see That is on. exactly how I felt when I watched this film for the first time. Yeah. I watched Training Day and I go, oh my God, I love Denzel. I need to actually like sit down and like watch some of his actual like performances not just uh, like his action movies yeah yeah, yeah. oh but uh um, so good and ethan Hawke does a great job in it too but really denzel i thought kind of carried this show in terms of the that, I'm, the whole performance but it's a great movie i'm not we're not going to spoil it here go watch it uh, uh if you have if you have then watch oh, wait, it again can we read the know. tagline sure the only thing more dangerous than the line being crossed is the cop who will cross it on his first day of the job as a narcotics officer, 
a rookie cop with the rogue uh, works with, a, with on his first day of the job as an arconics officer a rookie cop works with a rogue detective who isn't what he appears dun, dun, dun. it's really good even that i felt like it was spoiling too much what did you, no that's okay what did you rate it five bags obviously and two sodas <laughs> guess what i rated it four and a half, four and a half. <laughs> because guess what there's a handful there of women. women in it but there's a handful of them. There's probably less women in this than there is in no country for old. Okay. But I'm not going to try and convince you that your opinion of four and a half is wrong. Yeah, five bags. We liked it a lot, and you should go watch it. Next up. We watched <laughs> the Ryan Reynolds classic film, School of Life. No, I have forgotten movies before, but this actually Never took me for a, a shock. Never has a movie entered and exited my brain as fast as this movie has. Did I actually forgot we watched this like entirely. Like I don't remember this at all. I can tell you the whole plot. I fell asleep during this and I woke up and I was just like, it's still going. So the reason that we picked this movie is because... 2005 Ryan Reynolds. We are subscribers of Peacock. 2005 Ryan Reynolds. And we were scrolling through movies as one does. And this one really caught our eye. I think what caught my eye was how horrible the poster looked. Yeah, actually, now that now that we've seen it, I can see where they were going with the poster too. To like, there's another one. The with... Dead Poet Society ass font. <laughs> like, I I get what they were trying to do with it. Oh uh, yeah. So basically, this is knockoff Dead Poet Society. This movie is like the version of Dead Poets Society that um, they would play in your high school when the teacher didn't want to teach. This is like substitute teacher dead poet society. Yeah, this is what the school plays um, in the auditorium when it turns out one of the teachers died from cancer. Spoiler alert, Ryan Reynolds dies. (laughs) The plot is he's a teacher. And he has We're cancer. spoiling it because we really don't recommend anybody watch this. It, it, I, like, I would ev- recommend you watch our podcast and watch the clips we play in the background and never, ever watch the this movie. The only reason this movie should ever be played reason. is what? Reason. The only reason this movie should ever be played is if like your teacher is just giving you like a free nap period. Like... That's what I did. Yeah. I took a little nap uh, during this This movie one. is made to for children to fall asleep too. Basically, the plot of this movie is that it's a school. There's one teacher who's like a old, kind of like stuck in the mud, like very much by the books teacher. And there's a new teacher, Ryan Reynolds, who shows up and he's a little bit different. He's a little bit quirky. He's, li- he's quite literally a knockoff Robin Williams from Dead Poet Society. Like, yeah, but, but the thing is, Robin Williams was like trying to teach these educated children to think creatively because their whole lives were in prep schools this guy is just like hey these public schools kids have a lot of energy they should go out and like fight with some toy swords yeah, instead of reading I mean, about the civil when war I say, yeah when i say he doesn't <laughs> want to do things by the book what i mean is like he, just he tells them to put their desks in a circle okay he's got a spinny chair so that way he can like and when, when he thinks someone's cheating he doesn't like call them out he doesn't like like take their yeah. test from them he just goes hey are you cheating yeah um because <laughs> like they cool respect guy. him because they're like friends yeah and know? he basically like rises to fame as like the cool teacher but this is bad because like the old stuck in the mud guy teacher is like that's not how things are done around here um but then he finds out that ryan reynolds is dying of cancer and then ryan reynolds dies of cancer and then he's like 
maybe we should have been doing things like him all along. Um, and then there's a basketball game that they win. I was asleep by that part. Um, the funniest thing I think that they do in this movie is that they have a picture. The way that they, they don't announce that Ryan Reynolds died of cancer, they have a picture of like the whole grade and Ryan Reynolds, and then they just edit Ryan Reynolds out of the photo. Oh my god! He just fades away from the photo, and that's, that's how you're right. supposed to know that he dies. They just they don't just they don't away. they don't show the kids dealing with grief. Oh no, they that's just, like the end of the movie the when he dies. The last shot of the movie is them winning the basketball game and taking a group photo, and then just they edit Ryan Reynolds out of the photo, and, and then my, the movie ends. <laughs> no, there's like a little bit afterwards, but like it's basically the end of the film. Oh, what happens afterwards? Um, basically, like everyone's like sad, and then the the teacher is like, "It's okay, we can all." He has learn a we to be like we keep him. a little part of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah something like that. When yeah. he was like. He's in all of us. Maybe, like, if you're a teacher in, like, training, you could watch this movie. If you like (laughs) a super middle-of-the-road, barely-paced... A movie that, like, we as as random people should not... Like, this movie, I just feel like we should not have access to it. It should only come on DVD. This movie is, like... This is what I said about it. It's just like School of Rock, but without the music and sad. And I said, this is like Dead Poet Society if they played it on the TV in middle school. Yeah, it's it's just not fun. Two and a half bags. It's a fine... I gave it three bags. Yeah, see, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. The it's, it's the middle of the road. It doesn't... It doesn't offend me, but I also didn't need to watch it. In my opinion, it's not bad enough to be good. It's, it's not, not good, good enough, enough to, to be, be good. Bad. What? I don't know. <laughs> it's not good enough to be bad. No, that's so true. It's just forgettable. Yeah. Which is honestly the worst fate you can make. Yeah. As a But I creative. feel like it did what it meant. It did what it came to do, and it didn't do anything else. And for that, I give it applause. One clap. Next up, we actually have a new movie. We saw this in theaters the day after it came out in theaters. Theater moment. Cinema. Uh, we saw the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mutant Mayhem. Directed by Jeff Rowe. Who, who you might know from... Untitled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem sequel. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> but it was written and I think produced by the same guys that did Superbad. Yeah, it's it's me. It Seth Rogen had a big part. So you get Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. You know them. You love them. Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg were producers, and they made the Disaster Artist. This is the end. The Interview. Neighbors. Uh, blockers. You know all all, all these the Seth fun... Rogen classics. I mean, we do dare we need to name all of them. We saw the movie. It's fun. This really, I feel like I think they they did a great job. You know, making it feel like teenager focus like they really focus on the teenage part of the teenage mutant ninja turtles as the resident teenage mutant ninja turtle fan of this podcast i don't know if i'd say i'm a fan like that but i do like but in terms of like you know their names yeah like when i was a child i did get in trouble for standing on the bus because i wanted to surf like michelangelo yeah that's fan behavior um (laughs) uh would you like to like talk about how this compares to other Sure. Uh... Yeah, I would love to. So this film opens up right away with a reference to the original comic books visually. Um, that's all I should really have to say. This film, it, it pays its due diligence to all the previous 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, I honestly feel like Michelangelo's design is, like, ripped from, like, their most recent re-update. Like, they, I feel like they've made so many of these turtle movies that I can't keep track, but I've seen the original 80s cartoon. You know, I've seen the 90s live-action movies, and I've heard of the Michael Bay one. But I'm familiar with all, like, I know there's other ones in between those. Uh, and it seems like they, they sort of pay homage to all these previous things. Um, uh, I really like the April O'Neil redesign, and I thought, like, the new canon that they're going with was kind of fun and a little bit smarter to make it be, like, Master Splinter is, like, more of a dad rather than, like, their, like, sensei. You know, it's a little bit more of, like, an intimate relationship, which kind of has more of, like, that, again, teenager sort of relationship. This movie, um, based on what I've seen of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles... Which is this movie. Uh, anyways, the, I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> This movie, I feel like, it does a really good job of, like, the turtles having, like, this real brotherly relationship of it just being these four teenage boys God, that are till, dealing with, like... Wait till I show you the 90s version. Yeah. and It's not better. Um, I just really liked... Um, the writing was really, really great, and the... And the, and the I felt like the Gen acting, Z... The Gen Z of it all, like the, the updating references, like the smartphone and like the TikTok. And it's really interesting. Yeah. It's always, I thought all um, that was actually really seamless because they still like reference the 80s with like yeah. Master Splinter in his youth, like how he learned Kung Fu or yeah. uh, martial arts was through like an 80s workout tape. Like it's a fun movie. They have a lot of like references, but really what I want to talk about on this podcast specifically isn't the plot, isn't the you know, the new canon or, or any of the new characters they added or the lack of characters because they actually got rid of Casey Jones, which is kind of weird. And also Shredder was not in this, but I we'll get into that in a second. The art style. So epic. Fucking. Slay. If you like Spider-Verse, um, if you like animation that like looks like stylized animation, you need to watch this. I will say the, animation style, really good. The character, the designs, character designs for humans kind of scary kind of creepy but i almost wonder if that was intentional yeah i almost feel like they were trying to make the humans look a little bit creepier because like the turtles look normal and right so from their perspective the humans look a little look, bit would look a little bit weirder. i kind of understood it but it doesn't mean that it's not the, like, like you still when, have to look um, at them they commit <laughs> to like making people look weird yeah it's a fun type of thing if you like and like animation that doesn't take itself so like oh cute soft fluffy 3d illumination animation like check it's this so out fluffy, I'm gonna die. yeah if you hate that shit you need to watch this this is like the antithesis to that and it is so good but it still looks good it's still a beautiful <laughs> film yes very well designed and the the lighting especially oh, the is lighting fantastic is with all like their color like the colorful bands like the orange blue purple and red it just looks so good um and all their personalities really shine through, and it's a very fun film. Oh. Now, I will say, real quick, uh, if you know anything about the Turtles, you're probably thinking, okay, yeah, I watched them when I was a kid. Do I really need to see this? Eh, they're going to fight Shredder. Wrong. Shredder isn't in this movie. That's so true. It's like making a Batman movie without Joker. It's never been done before. It has, <laughs> but it's still weird, and I appreciate that every time it happens because it's like, oh, cool, they wrote an original bad guy for this film. Yeah. And that's fun. I like that. Now, it does seem like the sequel is going to be a little bit more back to roots, but 
that's fine. Like, I, I think that's cool. I always can appreciate when things are willing to take a chance. And it's a, it's a fun movie. It references yeah. uh, Seth Rogen has a little voiceover cameo. And a podcast favorite. Paul Rudd. Rudd. Yeah, that right. was a total you surprise to us. You thought it was going to be a whole episode of the Mediocre Movie Majors without us watching a Paul Rudd movie? Wrong. Yeah. Wrong. He's, he's our he's our certifiable celebrity. He's our he's our guy. <laughs> he's our certifiable celebrity. He's Paul Rudd. If he's you ever want to be on our podcast. God, I would actually like not know what to say. I'd just sit here in silence for an hour, like, staring at him. Thought? Who would have thought we'd be here? He'd just, <laughs> just be sort of fangirling the whole time. Um, Paul Rudd, we will talk about all of your deep cut classics, okay? Anyways. Um, the, the, the turtles themselves are voiced by like relatively unknown child actors, I, and they were fantastic. Um, yeah, like I said before, I think I touched on this a little bit, but like the chemistry between them and the way that they like interacted with each other, not only just like visually on the screen but like with their voices as well like it just i think a lot worked of that so well a lot of that might be the dialogue too yeah. which is how it was mm-hmm. written um the dialogue the performance like it all just kind of came together and the aesthetics like i can't yeah. get over i every time we like move on i just want to remind you that the art style is this because yeah. the fucking lights have little st- stray lines coming off them like when yeah. you actually look at lights with a vision it's ah I love it. It just um, mm. we were like giggling. We were giggling the and jokes kicking are pretty our good. feet and giggling. And and I feel like it's rare to see a movie that like um, understands teenagers to the level of like giving them the correct personality of like they're able to reference topical things without it coming off as like oh an adult wrote this. Yeah, and even like the like setup and punchline jokes are funny. Yeah, like, like it felt like it felt like. I was, like, witnessing literal teenagers, like, teenage boys, like, hang out. Like, it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel... I feel like Seth Rogen and... And he really um, understands. Evan Goldberg really, really understands the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Like, they understand that this was just, like, two guys having a few beers were like, hey, what the fuck? What if we just did this? And then they sold it out hard, and it's all about pizza time! And it's just a fun movie... Mr. Beast is in this movie. <laughs> By the way, guys. I was about to say something. Uh, yeah, I knew this movie was going to be good from the second I saw the trailer, and it said from the perpetual mind, or from the mind of a perpetual teenager, Seth Rogen. It said that? Yeah, in the I trailer. Didn't see that. I love that. On the trailer. And that's why I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah, they um, really. and. Yeah, like you said before, they really leaned into the teenage aspect, which I think. And there's a good there's a good bit of like if you like the old black and white comics, oh, if you're yeah. a boomer, they there's, they do have a good bit of that mutant movie, gore. It's like literally it's, called Mutant Mayhem. Like Mutant is in the title twice. I would absolutely watch it again. Fantastic movie, and the best on. one of the best parts about it is it has a message too of acceptance. Yeah. And that's always fun when a when a movie can have fun, do good fun little action, have a beautiful art style. And still have a good, timely a message. message to accept things that are may look different than you. Yes. And Love also Jackie Chan. Everyone. God, Jackie <laughs> Chan was so good in it. He yes. voices Master Splinter. Oh my God, he like made the film for me. Oh my God, it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> Anyways, um, we loved it. I gave it five whole bags. Five bags and two sodas. Yeah. Thank you, Spider-Verse, for this art style innovation. Yay! Final movie this week. 
uh, is one that many people actually have not been talking about. And if they have, it's not been good many things. Many people are not saying this. Many people are not talking about this. Yeah, it has a 2.6 on Letterboxd. I That's know. criminal. This is by him. Now, from the poster, you might think, oh, man, this looks great. The poster looks so good, doesn't it? It does. It basically, it's it about Brian Cranston and his daughter meeting his daughter's boyfriend of a year. Well, it's Brian Cranston meeting his daughter's boyfriend. Say that again. It's Brian Cranston. No, no, say it like I didn't say it the first time and you're saying oh, okay. it to the audience. Yeah. Um, this film is about Brian Cranston, Breaking Bad himself. Mr. Bad. Mr. Bad is meeting his daughter's boyfriend for the first time. And who is his daughter's boyfriend, you may ask? None other than James Franco. And uh, what is his character like in this movie, you may ask? It's just him. It's just like if James Franco... I, I, I imagine <laughs> this character is probably the closest we'll, we've seen to James Franco. On he's basically in 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 the film. He's Maybe a, this he's is the like end. a rich tech bro. Yeah. This is the end. Oh my god! Stop. <laughs> um, he's a rich tech bro who like just you know, classic like, is it L.A. or like I don't know where they are. Like yeah, yeah, Cali yeah. tech bro. Like he's got like all of this pretentious stuff going on in his house, and Brian Cranston and his wife are just like, two little paper salesman coming into the big city meeting their daughter's boyfriend and um to celebrate christmas too yeah insane maybe don't start with that if i you're will meeting your i will say it's also to like from a writing perspective a kind of bit, bit insane of them to also try to make this a christmas movie like <laughs> they really pushed the christmas movie in it they they they, they didn't need to like they were making it and then someone was like this, this when is this coming out around christmas and they were like oh i guess oh yeah um this movie was silly goofy and i liked it it's a fun silly goofy movie i don't know if i needed all the christmas stuff i'll be real to be honest i kind of forgot it was a christmas movie yeah but then like that ending with kiss oh yeah but that, end, didn't the, really, that didn't even to me even really scream christmas they're all wearing red sweaters and there's snow on the ground what are you talking about they're having a christmas party yeah but it wasn't like like and then he's like literally he's snow, like I brought I was like I brought your daughter here because it's Christmas and I thought you guys should all be together. Uh, I don't know. It's literally like plot dependent. I, I thought like this movie's great. It does sort of fizzle out towards the end. It definitely does. It's almost sort of like the opposite of how we were talking about how Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles felt like it was written by teenagers. This feels like it's written by old people. This has the exact vibes that I feel like happens so, so many times in movies where like they're like Let's make him like this technology savvy guy, and then nobody really understands technology. Not a single person so on the production make, knows like, what a computer is. Jokes about like toilets with buttons, and that's like the voice most activation thing. stuff. Yeah. Oh, they love to joke about voice activation stuff. It's or like, like paperless. Oh, oh my god. There's and, there's a lot there's, there's a, a lot whole, of these boomer humor. Yeah. There's a which, whole joke in this movie that does not work because Brian Cranston is like trying to write down a phone number, and it's like you're holding a phone. Just type it in the phone. Like, nobody on the set, nobody in the writing room, like, thought, like... It's a very, <sighs> it's a very Michael Scott, like... Mm, it is. Technology it's, it's, isn't really all cracked up to be, is it? Hmm? Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> no, the hmm is hmm? essential, yeah. Hmm? Hmm? It's still a, fun, like, knowing that's the perspective of our lead character, he's yeah, his old dad, yeah. it works. It's really good. It's a it. fun movie. Now, I don't know if I'd say it's, like, flawless, 
but I, I really like Brian Cranston and James Franco's chemistry on screen. I no, thought that was kind of fun. they're so good together. He's just like... Oh. James Franco, like, <laughs> James Franco so just really wants to impress him. Yeah. It's so good. When he lays on the bed. <laughs> yeah. No, it's so good. Anyways, I gave this three and a half bags. I thought it was silly goofy. I also gave it three and a half bags because I thought it was silly goofy. Could have used Paul Rudd in it, but... Ugh. You know. Imagine Paul Rudd in this. Yeah. I want to watch that. Anyways, I think this would be like a fun, like, I feel like this is just a fun one. Like, It's a fun one. watch. It's honestly, I don't think it's that bad. It's, it's three anything, and a half, slightly yeah. better than average. We don't have much to say about it besides like, it was fun. I giggled. I gaggled. I had a good time. What else do you want from me? So yes, if you're wondering, there are three stinkers of the week. School of Life, Secretary, and Bongwater are all tied for me. I, since I rearranged my um, ordering, Bongwater is now the stinker of the week for me. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Training Day would be the winners of the week. Likewise. So we're on the same page there. And also No Country for Old Men, Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, um... You just watched the episode. We don't need to recount it to you. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed. Yeah, thanks. Have a good week. If I had to recommend a movie to watch, go watch the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, that one's in theaters. It's topical. It's a fun movie. Uh... Bring your kids, bring your boyfriend, bring your girlfriend. Made by the people who made Pineapple Express. Bring your dad, bring your mom, bring your cousin. There were a lot of kids in the theater when we saw it. Well, that does make sense, doesn't it? Leave a comment, like, and subscribe. Make sure to mash that MF bell button to get the notifications every time we do an upload or any sort of announcement. Oh, that was a good one. Uh, Leave a comment down below and let us know what you think of this video. No, but like for real, any engagement always helps us in the and, algorithm. Um, but ideally, you... share it to someone who likes to yeah. listen to podcasts. And if they say, well, I only listen to podcasts on Spotify, boom, we're on Spotify. They only listen to podcasts on Apple Music Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, boom, we're on Apple Podcasts. Check us out everywhere you listen to podcasts. You cannot escape us. We are everywhere. We're in your walls. And if you only listen to podcasts that are professionally made, shut up. Get out of here. We're getting better each time. Anyways, we can end this now. We've just been rambling. (laughs) 